1: And welcome back to the nightcap. I know it's been a minute or two, but let's just say I'm feeling a little bit more rejuvenated in the hockey sphere these days and to help, usher in a new era a new season you know before it actually totally starts is someone very near and dear to my heart and unfortunately a few states away but Michael McKenna analyst for daily Faceoff, moonlights on Sirius radio once in a while you used to play in the NHL across the AHL, all of the different levels and uh, my favorite friend who moved away how are you today my friend
2: I didn't leave you I just left Vegas. Yes. I'm doing good, man. You know what? Like, it's funny that you're just talking before we started to record here how, you know, neither of us are, like, way into hockey right now. But all of a sudden, the moment that we're now speaking about it, I'm, like, so amped up and ready to go at it again on hockey. You know what I mean? It's like two old buddies just getting after it to, to, to hot stove what's happening around the league, even though. Right now, there's not much. How much has happened this summer, though, Lindsay? Oh, my God. it's been so busy. It is unbelievable the amount of things that have happened and that we can cover.
1: Yeah, I, it's hard to disagree. I felt like the Cup ended later this year, even though it's been a weird couple of seasons just with timing and everything. Maybe it was kind of a crash from the last couple of seasons. But, you know, the offseason's been absolutely nuts. Free agency. I think that there was a lot of moves that we didn't really anticipate, like as a hockey collective, and maybe that's kind of throwing us through the loop. So let's start there. Uh, the biggest name that's still on the free agency uh, block here, Nazem Kadri. Now, a lot of people are saying probably has a handshake deal with someone. I made the assumption, like, well, it's Colorado, obviously, but that probably might not be true. Where do you think he ends up?
2: It just, it seems like what we're thinking is that kadri has got something with the Islanders, potentially. But we haven't seen this actually come through, and we're talking about Lou Lamorello and the absolute tightest to the vest manager in all of hockey for all time's sake. I mean, I spent two years in Lou's organization when he was with the Devils and there are no leaks. It is airtight. And, you know, yesterday I I, I did see it that Kadri and the Islanders seem to be coming together, if that's the case. But, you know, I I always wonder with Kadri, like, did he he end up circling back to Colorado if nothing was out there that he really wanted? You know, and that's where there's some dominoes that need to fall here, man. If, it's, if he's actually going to go to the Islanders, they got to clear some, some cap space. So no wonder well, especially why if they're going long term deal quiet.
1: with him there too, because you got Barzell. I'm looking at at Cap friendly right now. Barzel's got one year left on that uh, before he hits restricted free agency. You got a lot of money tied up in Anders League in Brock Nelson, obviously. Yeah. Uh JG Pajot, like a lot of talent that they've brought in, but he's gonna be commanding a pretty hefty dollar. Like, how do you fit everybody in here?
2: Yeah. And he's a centerman as well. Correct. So, you know, you're looking at, you're looking at JG Pajot and you're going to have Kadri in the mix as well. Is he going to be their number one centerman? Who knows? And, and I mean, our own I, I work with Frank Cervalli at daily Faceoff, and uh, on the DFO rundown podcast yesterday, they said that they got a seven by seven offer on the table for Kadri. That's what they're hearing and believed. And you know, he's 32 years old. Kadri is. Yeah. If that's the case, K- seven year deal through 39 I mean, it, it 100% fits with Lulia Morello. He loves veteran players. He loves players that, uh, by the end of their contract, the contract looks terrible. Yep. He's big on that. And then he brings them um, back like
1: Zach Parise. It's all good. Yeah,
2: you know, so I, I, it works in that way. I'm not sure who's going to get moved on from, you know, th- there's names there. You look at maybe Beauvillier, yep. someone that could potentially be headed out the door. You know, there's valuable players. The problem with the Islanders is they, they have a lot of, like, good players. But they don't have any any real like superstars there as it stands.
1: That's a Barzell's supposed and to I'll be. You what,
2: but exactly. That's the player. Matthew Barzell should be their superstar. And I think that if they grab Kadri, that's a step towards getting Barzell to where he needs to be because you need somebody to get the puck on his stick that can skate with him, that yep. has some creativity. And I've said that all along, they've got to unlock Barzell and, mm-hmm. I think Barry Trotz did what he could with the lineup they had. They didn't find that right mix. And that's the key. You get a young talent like Barzell that can skate like that. If you get three or four good years out of Kadri out of this, that's fantastic. But, boy, seven years. That's a lot. Like, I thought we might be looking at a four or five year deal given his age. So yeah. no surprise the Islanders might be the front runner with that offer.
1: Yeah, and it looks like Cadre will kind of be the benefactor of of a lot of things that he's worked for for his entire career. He had an unbelievable season. I think he's a great talent, but I I think that the the Islanders are definitely up against it right now because as you mentioned, they got a lot of good players. They've been sniffing around that that Stanley Cup final, but obviously last year they took a step back, but they got to make sure that they put their best foot or at least foot on the gas with all of these players that they've acquired inside of these long-term deals. Because if you're going to do all this, like, and you're not going to go to that next step, what's the point of doing any of it then?
2: It is, you get stuck in mediocrity like Mm -hmm. that. And you know, you can look around the league at a lot of teams that have kind of gotten stuck into that rut as well. I mean, I even look at, I mean, the Philadelphia flyers, a team that's pretty dear to my heart. I finished in that organization and I have so much respect for, for Chuck Fletcher, like I, I have had nothing but positive interactions with him well regarded throughout hockey, but that team's just treading water, you know, and that's not
1: acceptable. That was such a bad miss on the Gaudreau bit though. Like I I, I fully believe like my conspiracy theory is that Johnny Gaudreau did not wake up that morning uh, with the intention of signing with the Columbus blue jackets. I think he was playing, you know, the, the Islanders, the, the devils and the Philadelphia flyers often once the flyers dropped out well, there's a lot of leverage that goes out with that too because there's just too many contracts to move around. And they're like, oh, we not need to salvage this because he's the top guy on the market. And so we're going to take the next best deal, which happened to be the late uh, coming to the party, uh, Columbus Blue Jackets. What do you think of my conspiracy theory?
2: I don't think it's a conspiracy. I think it's pretty realistic. I mean, I, and that's why, you know, it's hard for me with flyers here because they've got to open. book. Chuck Fletcher's got permission to pretty much do what he needs to do. Bring in the best coach you can. He brings in John Tortorella, who I think is a good hire. They threw the they threw the Brinks truck back. He trots and he declined, yep. for, you know, for whatever reason. Um, and I don't think that's an indictment of Philadelphia. I, I think that trots when it came down to it, just didn't want to coach this year after doing it for so long and yeah. through COVID. It's a big project get, too.
1: It's a tough yeah, time. Yeah.
2: And still, and still getting paid out. He still has another year from the Islanders making 4 million bucks. Like, Dude, take the Gerard Gallant method. Mm-hmm. Take a year off to enjoy your grandkids. Go skiing. Like, right. you know, get away from the game for a year and then make your best choice. And, and but anyway, like, when you look at the flyers, Johnny Gaudreau was on a silver platter for the Flyers. Mm-hmm. All they had to do was clear cap space. Now, and, and I say that like it's easy to do. Lindsay, you know it's not easy to clear cap space. No, especially, especially with some team. of these deals
1: that were signed, you know, before the yep. pandemic started and with the cap crunch that everybody's under. I mean, it, there's just not a lot of options.
2: That's right. And on top of that, everybody around the league also knows that they'd be trying to clear cap space for Johnny Gaudreau. So mm-hmm. they wouldn't make it easy on them. But... My take on it is that if you have the opportunity to land one of the top five players in the league who's still in his prime age-wise, that's from there, that wants to play there, that has friends on your team in Philadelphia in the first place in Hayes and Atkinson, you need to move mountains to make it happen. Because I think the Flyers are going to be stuck being mediocre or bad for a long time now. And at least if you make that big swing and go after that player, it gives your fan base and your players some hope and belief mm-hmm. that you're going for it. And I just thought that they were too conservative this offseason. I don't think being conservative works anymore in the NHL. And I also don't think you can go off the deep end aggressive like we've seen the Vegas Golden Knights do. There's a Bags. happy medium to it. But I think like you said, Lindsay, look at Columbus. Like what'd you think of that move from Yarmo and John Davidson who run that organization in, in Columbus? Like they're so did you sneaky. Not find that? Is, that, is
1: that yeah.
2: Is that the word best to describe that organization and how they go about business sometimes?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you kind of just look on how they've conducted themselves the last few years, you know, when they, they had that haul come in from Ottawa when they had a Duchesne and everybody, and then Panarin was still on the team, Bob was still on that team, they make that run, they beat uh, uh, the Tampa Bay in the first round sweep them and then, you know, everybody kind of jumped ship, and then we're back here a year and a half later, and all of a sudden, oh, we, everybody wants to come out and hang at our party again? I just, I, I think they swung at, at, a, at a big pinata that they, they did not expect to have a birthday party in their backyard, but here they are, and it gave them a, a great little wedge piece for, to, to, to sign Patrick <laughs> Line as well. Like, if anything, it solidified a lot of things there, in, in an organization that was kind of treading water like we were talking about Philadelphia, at least now they have direction.
2: Yeah exactly and that that line a signing that you brought up is the key part to it mm-hmm. you've got to give a reason to have confidence in your team and retain players and if you're patrick line and your team just goes out and grabs johnny goudreau after you've seen goudreau turn Hampus lindholm into a star player mm-hmm. okay and and that's not to take it any from lindholm like lindholm's or sorry not Hampus lindholm but from uh um the centerman in calgary that he played with this year like you're you're making everybody around you better. Yeah, and that's what it comes down to. And and I, and I just can't, I can't under undervalue the fact that Johnny Gaudreau wants to play in a market where I think he can probably just have some fun too, and yeah. not be under the radar. You know, not have to deal with the pressures of Calgary all the time. And yeah, an American kid that wants to play in America—that's great. But you see these things happen. When a team goes out and get a player, look at the Ottawa Senators.
1: Yeah, let's they talk about them. Land. I'm let's so scared it. of them. I, that's like literally one of my big questions. Like, Let's talk about Ottawa and how scary that they are. I think that
2: Ottawa, now listen, are they going to cup this year? No. Are they going to knock on the door of playoffs and potentially sneak could they, in? Could they mess I up some other
1: team's dreams who have actually legitimate cup aspirations? Absolutely. 100%
2: the young talent on that team was Shabbat and Stutzla and Norris and Kachuk and Batherson and Format. like You want to go down the list of yeah. all the talent that they have? There's a ton. But until you get players that are veteran to surround those young players, they were never going to be successful. They just weren't. And by going out and trading for Alex Dabrinkit from the Chicago Blackhawks yep. and then going out and trading for Cam Talbot from the Minnesota Wild, The most
1: underrated mood- move of all of them, I think. They
2: they just legitimized their team. You get a forty goal scorer mm-hmm. who's still young, by the way, in Debrinkett and then you grab a goaltender to complement Anton Forsberg, who to me was the most underrated goalie in the NHL last year. That's a solid tandem with Talbot and Forsberg, and the downstream effects is that it allows GM Pierre Dorian to go out and sign Claude Giroux.
1: Mm-hmm. who can
2: still play, man. Like yeah. this guy's still going to put up 65, 70 points easily this year, going between center and right wing for that club. He's going to help to power play. And Lindsay, what this really shows, I've been in that organization. Mm-hmm. I knew how it worked when Eugene Melnick was still alive and ran things. His eyes were over the shoulder of Pierre Dorian's at all moments. No doubt in my mind. And we every transaction, when you've got that second set of eyes of an owner, who frankly knew nothing about hockey besides being a fan, but he was able to critique all the moves. How can you manage in that situation? You know, I think we're finally seeing a general manager in Dorian be allowed to run a team the way he thinks is best. And that club's going to be good, Lindsay. Like, yeah, do, don't you think that that team in Ottawa has a chance to surprise and maybe even make a push towards playoffs this year.
1: Oh, 100%. I'd actually put a lot of money on them of probably making the playoffs just because, I mean, that division is so tough, but at the same time, you're seeing teams rise and fall. I mean – uh, to see the like six days after they lose in the Stanley Cup final in Tampa Bay that Ryan McDonough gets traded, I'm like, whoa! <laughs> Next season comes at you real fast, and and that's going to naturally happen because you're going to have regressions. They're not going to make the Stanley Cup final every year, just like how Andre Vasilevsky can't win the Vesna every year. Like it's just it's an unsustainable model. And while those teams are starting to take a step back, teams like the Ottawa Senators are taking a step forward, and then. Let's just, since it's it's a great way to kind of spin off of it, how weird it was to see Matthew Tuchuk all of a sudden get traded into the same division, and now he's down in Florida. Like, I thought this guy was going to be the captain of Calgary. And, and just, I, I don't yeah. want to be here anymore. And maybe that was expedited by Johnny Gaudreau leaving and, and leaving for the team that he did. And just be like, well, clearly nobody wants to be here. But I just, what, what's your read on Calgary and kind of what went down? Because they won the, the division last year. Now, I mean, I, I don't know if they're a playoff team.
2: I think that Brad Tree living in the GM's done a great job in Calgary, and he was dealt a really tough hand. Johnny Gaudreau left because he wants to play in the United States and be closer to home. And a story. Mm. And then you, Matthew Kachuk. To me, I thought those two players were tied together. If Gaudreau left, Kachuk was leaving. Yeah. If Gaudreau and Kachuk talked in the off season and said, "Listen, we got something special going on here. Let's make the most of it," they were both going to stay. I truly believe that. I think I. I mean, I said that all last year. And as soon as Gaudreau was gone, Kachuk, to me, actually did him a solid by letting him know, hey, we're... Yeah,
1: the team know, you mean.
2: Exactly. Yeah, like, hey, dude, I'm I'm just, I'm not staying around here. So you guys need to maximize this right now. Let's make it work. So Calgary signs Kachuk and trades him. And I'm not terribly surprised by it. I'm from St. Louis. I've known Matthew a while. Like, I, I, I just, it's a big step to be up there. In the first place. And I also think that there's even the Daryl Sutter effect, you know, I mean, if you sign a big long term contract. Yeah. If you sign a big long term contract, you you expect to outlive your coach. But hey, man, it's really tough to play for Daryl Sutter. Like there's no way around it, especially with his
1: history with that organization as well. Like they're going to give him a lot more leash than they would in other head coaching positions, especially these days when it's so short.
2: Well, when you bring someone in like that, you know what you're getting Mm -hmm. and you allow them to coach. That's what a good a good general manager allows their coach to coach. And so, like, I think that might have played into a little bit. And that's not saying that, like, Kachuk or Gaudreau can't handle it. They obviously had great years under Sutter. I just think when you look objectively at things and you go, oh, God, do I really want to do this the next two or three years until he eventually gets fired? You start to look elsewhere. And this deal with Florida, Lindsay, was wild.